Hello, 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 and welcome to Stiff Upper Lip Podcast, the NFL podcast by Brits. We are in partnership with Gridiron Extra, and we are returning for our third season. So yeah, on we begin with me, Ed. Me, Emma. I'm Sam. I'm Max Saito. And I'm Tom. Hey! hey Hey! <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah, I'm back. For yeah. my first time introducing myself to you and saying hello yeah wait oh um i thought that you were gonna make a point about the weekend how are you doing after the weekend events that unfolded max where you yeah, came what, where you what, came up here oh yeah yeah it was really it was a really good time um the uh the journey back was a bit of a long one that dragged on oh, but yeah. luckily the train was nowhere near as crammed as it was on the way up so i was able to get a little bit of shut eye which uh, definitely helped yeah for sure for sure especially after the uh rough events of the saturday night that unfolded friday night wasn't it fuck yeah you're right the friday night that unfolded oh yeah no it was a good time it was it was a very good time and it was good good to see everyone and embarrass myself (laughs) yes the uh the big news of the weekend coming in, and thankfully, what we all had to endure, uh, but specifically you, in the presence yeah. of a Bears fan, a Vikings fan, and two people that also just want to laugh at you, is. I that... assume you're talking about Aaron Rodgers and not chocolate bar projectiles. Well, I mean, the... <laughs> I'd say that both of them were were a real bugaboo for you there. To be honest, I wasn't. I wasn't bothered about that. I wasn't bothered about the Aaron Rodgers thing as much as I was bothered. I can't control what Aaron Rodgers does or thinks, but I can control where I throw chocolate bars. <laughs> oh, shall we give the people context or shall we just let them guess? Uh, I Before I even said a word to Sam, I threw a... a out of pure excitement of seeing Sam for the first time, I attempted to cast... Halloween chocolate bar through the open window of his girlfriend's car and uh, he wound the window up <laughs> the car. and that was before I'd introduced myself or said anything or anything like that so that was good yep and uh, you know we'll we'll continue to rinse you over chocolate gate for many moons many moons to come um, there was a game played on Thursday we didn't end up doing a Friday episode um, I'm gonna bundle that in with all of the rest of the early window games, if that's all right with you. Cause yeah, is, yeah, sure. is there masses really to mention for Jags Colts? Jags Colts? Oh, Jets Colts. Uh, Jets Colts. Sorry, my bad. I was looking at the other. Yeah, not really. It was it was a game that was deceptively close on the score sheet. It was not anything like. Uh. It wasn't anything like... It wasn't a two-score game. That was a blowout from start to finish. Yeah. The big news of that game being that Mike White got injured and Josh Johnson had to come in and uh, now quarterbacks that aren't Zach Wilson are outperforming Zach Wilson by quite a hefty score margin. So... Um... Yeah. And uh, the Jets, who were meant to have a defensive-minded head coach, just didn't... Could barely stop the Colts once. They, they just ran all over them and... That, that sets them up nicely with Derek Henry out, their ability to run a lot and um, 
not have to have Carson Wentz do too much is 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 going to be really useful for them. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, Jonathan Taylor popped off for 172 yards and a couple of <laughs> touchdowns. Naeem Hines had a pretty nice day. I'm interested to see what Marlon Mack's role will be now that the trade deadline has passed, but I'm sure that they'll probably end up just keeping him around just in case either of those guys go down. Because, I don't know if you remember last season, he was their like, premier back, and then he tears his <coughs> Achilles or whatever. So we'll, um, we'll have to wait and see what his role within the offense will be. But yeah, the Colts jump out to a 45-30 win against the Jets and put themselves... Just sneakily, maybe in with a shout of in the, the AFC, yeah, of the playoff window in the AFC. And Somehow, four and five they are right now, and they and are still hanging teams, around. Nine teams in the AFC with five wins after this week, so one game out with eight to go. Yeah, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Anyway, on to Sunday, where. Shall we do some of the uh, the lesser games in the one-question format that we all know and love? Well, like Texans-Dolphins. Uh, I don't even have a question for that game. I mean, yeah, I, I, I also don't really have a question. Apart from, um, with Tyrod Taylor now having four woeful quarters after six magical ones to start the season, uh, what's the point? So they, why don't they just put Davis Mills back in if they're going to lose anyway? Exactly. I, I would much rather see them get something out of Davis Mills than seeing Tarad Taylor throw the ball 43 more times in his career. Yeah, definitely. So, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll rattle through some of these earlier window games and then stick our way into the late window. And uh, I mean, the Dolphins won 17-9 to against the Texans. That's pretty much that game wrapped up. Welcome. And uh, let's move on to the next. Max, I'm going to give you the first pick if you want it. All right. I'm going to say um, Falcons Saints, um, which was a 27-25 to victory from for the Falcons after they narrowly avoided falconing. Um, mm. They got away with it. Uh, how do you view the Falcons now that they started off the season awfully? They're back to 4-4 four and four now. I mean, do you think the Falcons are an outside shot or a wild card with with Matt Ryan, who I think is, I think Matt Ryan's been a slightly underappreciated this this season so far. Um, you know, I think I think that my sort of stance on the Falcons is, I still don't trust, and I know that this is just going back to the fact that he's spent like eight years in the league and has only been a kick returner this entire time, but I don't trust when Cordell Patterson is their only like consistent option because I've also seen many teams get like maybe one or two like good games out of Cordell Patterson. Obviously, he's having a, a much more career upper year this year I mean he's, he's absolutely uh, balling out but I don't know because I mean outside of Cordero Patterson like their wide receiver is what Russell Gage and Olamide Zacchaeus and, and Zacchaeus and their running back Mike Davis has done next to nothing so yeah it really is like a it's Patterson and Pitts with Ryan throwing to them and well they that is going to be inconsistent, and we saw them 
go into the tank before pulling it back in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, I think it's going to be inconsistent, but it's after eight games, it's um, I think they've got a recipe there. I still think, yeah, I mean, just like when you're considering though that who they've actually beaten this season, it, it's they lost heavily against the Eagles and Bucks. They beat the Giants, but like, wasn't that one of the many weeks where the Giants lost a hell of a lot of players? Lost to Washington. They beat the Jets, who aren't very good. They beat the Dolphins, who I think at that point didn't have Tua and weren't very good. And then lost to the like Sam Darnold minus CMC Panthers. It's like I don't I don't know whether or not I trust them to win any games that aren't against like teams that could very easily finish the year sub three wins. So I I, I think that this is a little bit of a smokescreen. They're going to continue to Falcons. Um, they'll get some nice production out of Kyle Pitts and probably some more fantasy production out of like Cordell Patterson, but I just don't, I don't trust them this year, which is a shame because like you're saying, Matt Ryan is sneaky underappreciated because he is a good player. Um, but I just don't trust the rest of their, um, their team's makeup, unfortunately. Enough. Do you want to do the next one? Yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna send us over to the Panthers versus Patriots, and the question really revolves around uh, Sam Darnold, as it pretty much always does. With PJ Walker not coming in, despite Darnold having yet another absolute howler, um, is it that they were basically preparing PJ Walker to give him a full start because? Does Darnold start in the NFL again? Um, maybe. I don't think he should because I think. <laughs> I mean, I've I thought from the start that it was not going to work out because I thought we saw enough in the Jets, and I think that's that's kind of just who he is at this point. But I mean, McCaffrey played okay pretty decently in his first game back from injury, but I mean, yeah, his play is very sharply fallen this season, so I don't know I don't know where the Panthers go for quarterback because I don't think they're going to have a, like a premium pick in the, mm-hmm. at the top of the first, and I also, I, maybe they, they try and trade for someone, you know, whether it's Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers or whatever, but like they've had two back-to-back shots, and they and they've paid. They've paid um, more than they needed to for both guys as well. So yeah, they've they've missed pretty badly on Teddy and now on Donald. Yeah, I mean they picked up Sam Donald's like fifth-year option as well. So I know yeah. that it's not like an indicator of oh, that he's going to get paid anyway. But like the fact that you are giving him at least another year of being in the NFL it just feels like uh, it just doesn't sit well with the Panthers and I don't think it sits especially well as well that um, Matt Rule came out uh, before the game and most of his like pre-game press conferences and stuff were all basically about how he uh, always knew that Mac Jones would be NFL ready and like pro ready out of the draft and then they don't take him 
and now we'll look at where they are right now. It just, mm, just yeah. a real weird mess up by Carolina, and it's going to cost them here. So, but uh, yeah, there's my there's my Panthers related <laughs> question. Max, send us away to the next early window game. Um, I'm going to go for Cleveland 41, Cincinnati 16. Yep. And I'm going to say to you, um, the, the question might have been, like, are the Browns a better team without OBJ? But I think that's just, like, apparent now. Yeah. But that's not really even much of a debate. Um, I, <laughs> funnily enough, my question was going to be, like, with Nick Chubb back healthy, does that make the Browns the favourite for the AFC North? But he's just tested positive for coronavirus. Wait, has he actually? Yeah, like 15 minutes ago. Then he's oh. Which is annoying because I traded for him three weeks ago and he was injured for two weeks and then he was great and now he's going to be gone for at least another week. So um, that is a true pain in the ass. But, you know, we saw them run with Deannis Johnson. Um, they also, um, Chubb and Demetric Felton, both tested positive, so that's a problem. But um, <clears throat> Deannis Johnson did look impressive in his one game, so maybe they can get by against the Patriots, but well, I, I think if they can take out Deannis Johnson, then, then Baker Mayfield might struggle against the Belichick defense. But, so I guess my question about this game yeah, is about like breaking news sidetrack yeah um how how do you view the Bengals now because two weeks ago they were the top dog in the AFC and now and, they're, uh, they're they're now, the Jets and, and got slapped basically by the Browns well yeah they've gone from number one seed in the AFC to number four in the AFC North they are uh, it stinks because um Anyone that has had doubts about Zach Taylor um, is now getting all of the ammunition that they needed because they've just inexplicably forgotten how to play football again. And and they, they, they'd already amassed a significant amount of of ammunition in that regard. Well, first. yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think... Where the Bengals sit right now, they 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 have got to get a win um, against the Raiders on the road, or they are like in in real trouble. I know that, like you say, there's a fair few teams that are sitting at five wins, but like if you go to the bottom of that pack, which they I think they already are at the moment anyway you almost risk the fact that there are enough teams playing this level of middle-of-the-road football that you will become the worst of the rest, almost. Like, you're not going to be eliminated from playoff contention ridiculously early like a Jets and a Jags or a Dolphins, but, like, you could easily be finding yourself by week 15 with nothing to play for because there's that many other teams that... I, I mean... Looking at the two games that they have coming up, they have the now five and three Raiders and the now five and three Steelers as their next two, and it's almost like those two will decide their ranking among these five win teams more than anything. If they go to five and six, I think they're done. 
it's not a coincidence that this has been happening at the same time as um as Jamar Chase is his efficiency has really dropped off a cliff. Mm. And you know, in the NFL defenses will adjust to things in season pretty quickly. So maybe it's just that after everything that was said in the off season, coordinators weren't taking the threat of Jamar Chase very seriously. Obviously, he punished them for that. But it could be now that they might need to find a different way of doing things because yeah, he's still getting targeted a lot, but his production has, has really dropped off since. Yeah, and I almost I don't want to I don't want to pin it on like just the Jamar Chase. It, it just seems like everyone's wised up to everything that the Bengals have been doing. Like for example, their defense was playing lights out for the first five weeks as well. They were getting some crucial stops. And now they're they're getting ripped apart like a hot knife through butter, and it's almost like th- they have been figured out far quicker than they would have ever expected to be. And um, I just want to say as well, like people were talking about the Bengals' defense being sneaky underrated. Well, uh, they got a problem now, so yeah. They need to. They need to. They need to take a look in the mirror. They could really do the bye week and adjusting, but yeah, it ain't coming. I do. Uh, I do just want to quickly give some credit to the Browns because um, they they played as smart a game as they could have done on offense. I mean, nobody nobody had more than three receptions, and the only guy that had more than two only went for like an average of three point seven. They moved the ball around. They spread the ball around in the air. And then they relied on Nick Chubb, and that's basically what Baker Mayfield's strength is, and it's what Kevin Stefanski's strength is when it comes to his play calling. And that's why, like, it's a complete no-brainer that this non-starter move from three years ago of OBJ going there, it was it was destined for failure almost from like the very beginning, um, and now we're seeing the Browns like immediately flourish without him. And it's like, there is no coincidence there. This is uh, yeah. I who think, they um, are. It's, it's something that's said to denigrate players these days, but a lot of game managers have taken their team to the Super Bowl and won it. So we'll see. Um, and I just wanted to say, I said the Bengals could use a bye week, but it's not coming yet. Yeah, I double check that because I was actually not confident until the Bengals, in fact, are on bye this weekend. So, yeah, <laughs> perfect. They come back and then they've got those two games against the Raiders, Steelers, and or oh, and the Chargers after yeah, that yeah. as well. So, back to the drawing board a little bit. Let's see what you made out of Zach Taylor because I need you to prove it to me. Show yeah. me on. To be fair, their their schedule like outside of the Niners, really, like every other game is going to be a big one because it's all against this middle of the road or it's against a divisional rival, like. You've got to win. Basically, you've got to win out against the teams nearby you. Otherwise, you've you've fucked it. And that's why I do think that these two like these two next games for them are probably the biggest. Anyway, yeah, I think we move on. And I want to talk about the Las Vegas Raiders here, who, like I say, fell to five and three, losing twenty three to sixteen against the New York Giants, who climb up a little bit to three and six. Their season's practically still over at three and six, but the Raiders, they have got another similar task of of really soul searching now to try and 
climb out of this funk that they've got themselves in. And I'm, are the personal issues that have that have happened with Damon Arnett and Henry Ruggs are they now, and obviously John Gruden as well? Are all of these things combining to just put like such a huge cloud over the Raiders that it's almost killing what would have been a very very good season for them. Um, it's it's possible, um, but then, like, obviously they overcame the Gruden thing and they had a decent performance after that, and it's possible. But at the same time, like, it's it's only been one game. They had quite a lot of turnovers in this game. Um, I think they had two or three. I'll double check that. And they also had some special teams gaffes where. You know, Daniel Carson pulled like a twenty-four-yard field goal, mm. which is pretty bad. I know Josh Jacobs was, I think, uh, a little bit roughed up in the game as well. So, yeah. So Derek Carr had two picks. Um, they also lost a fumble as well. I, I know that one. Fumbled. Yeah, that was the that was the final play, wasn't it? The strip sack fumble. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. These games can happen, especially when you're going from like. Vegas across the country to New York and you're playing in these what, 12 o'clock games over there so it, uh, it's not a trend to me just yet because I don't know these things can happen when teams go across the country I mean we saw it quite a bit this week in fact we saw some very inexplicable results this week I don't feel really too much different about the Raiders or the Giants like I, I think the Giants at 2-6 and six were they were better value than that so yeah, it makes sense that they got the win, and and the Raiders. I don't think they're going to be in that upper echelon of competitors in the AFC. Um, they're part of that expansive middle, so I don't know that in the AFC it feels like any team can lose any game. So yeah, I, I wouldn't get, I wouldn't like panic about it just yet. That's fair enough. Alright, there's uh, there's three games left, but one of them I do want to talk about as an actual full, extensive game. In fact, uh, to be honest, like... You could talk about all... Well... You could, yeah, you uh, could make a point all... through all three of them, really. Yeah, there's, there's all three. So, um, why don't we go to Minnesota, Baltimore, a 34-31 win for the Ravens in overtime, which was about the Ravens like third game where they come back massively this season in yep. the fourth quarter. So like I do think Lamar Jackson is putting to bed a lot of the oh he's not clutch or they can't play from behind. That's sort of been disproven. Like I mean obviously the the main thing people are gonna talk about is the playoff things until that changes, but I I don't know, like yeah, Baltimore clearly can play from behind now. Um and the Vikings just... If I, if we're doing a question, my question to you is, like, do the Vikings move on from Mike Zimmer after the season? Because they keep losing these games in crushing, crushing manners, and it's going to kill Ed. It <laughs> so is, yeah. Maybe, maybe you need to say yes, and maybe we need to influence people to start thinking what they do just so we can, uh, you know, help our friends' health. Yeah, I mean, I st- I was going to say yes anyway cuz um Zimmer is far and away one of the best coaches that the Vikings have had in terms of 
completely revitalising the franchise. I mean, they were going absolutely nowhere for most of the time before he'd arrived there, almost. Um, And I think that he deserves a lot of credit, although when the NFL has changed this much, and I know that it's not entirely his fault that, like, there are question marks surrounding it, but just... A lot of the stuff that was coming out before the season of him like being incredibly frustrated with his team for like not getting the uh, not getting the jab or fighting back about uh, like wearing masks and stuff or mm. um, all of these like just weird losses. I mean, the Vikings looked as comfortable as you could possibly have a team look and still come away without a win, like. They got up 31 points, but it's a little bit deceptive because their offense looked more disjointed than you'd think. Well, the thing is, is that before the before the Ravens started their like heroic comeback, the Vikings did look comfortable. But it, you do almost get this impression that the moment that the Vikings give up a score, and it's the same with the Falcons, and it was the same with the Anthony Lynn Chargers, like... You you see the heads drop. Um, they give up a single score, and it was like just before half time, I believe it was, with the Ravens' score, and it was like they're still in control of this game. They are still in with this chance, and it happened against the Panthers, and it happened against um, it happened against the Cardinals, and it was almost like, and it happened against the Bengals as well. They're in control of games, and then they give up a score, and all of a sudden they're just nothing works their simple passes are getting deflected away their running game suddenly grinds to a halt and runs through molasses instead and it's like you see the whole team just start getting swamped by almost this mentality issue of we are going to lose this game how are we (coughs) going to lose it in such a a, an, an embarrassing fashion and i mean the ravens get the ball in overtime they don't need to give it back absolutely no no need to give it back whatsoever and they did the vikings actually got a chance in overtime but the damage had already been done and and yeah they are they are a really weird team right now and i do think that at three and five i know that the nfc is still pretty open like the afc is but when you're sat at three and five, and with the losses that have been eaten by this team already in the first eight weeks of the season, and even the wins, like outside of Seattle, the wins have come in like weird circumstances right at the end of the game. And like you mentioned, Ed's health is uh, for Ed's health. This team either needs to be done, or they need to pull their asses out because. Ugh, three and five is is really on the borderline of of playoff elimination. I think at this point. Can I just shock you? Despite everything that I just said, uh, I actually think they should retain Zimmer for another year because I do think he's a very good coach. I think what they're doing is they're getting away from who they need to be, and I think they would do better with investing into trying to invest in and improving the the trench the trench play on both sides because that's really mm. what the Vikings identity comes down to. But like yeah, when they're asking Kirk to open up the tap and, and that being 
like the body of their offense. That is just not what they're cut out to do. Yeah. So it's possible he could get fired, and you can't really say that he wouldn't have deserved it. But I think they've just he. I think he's operating in something that he's not comfortable with, and, and they just need to maybe try one more time to get back to something that they are more natural at doing. All right. Let's um, let's quickly call uh, call an audible and head on over to. I want to talk about the. Five and three, now five and three Buffalo Bills who were shocked by the by the Jacksonville Jaguars who go up to two and six. You know, this is Evan Meyer's first home win. I know that technically the London game was a home game, but this is his first win in Jacksonville. Um and it was a nine to six. What's that sound? Oh, it's me coming around the final corner and crossing the start-finish street for my victory <laughs> lap on the Bills this year. <laughs> Who, they could still be the number one seed in the AFC, but I told you they weren't going to be the team they were last year. Uh, it's... It was my number one, like, stick my, fork, stick my flag in this hill. I'm dying on it. Do we... How much attention do we pay? Are we just going to go for the whole like cliched route on talking about this game by specifically talking about Josh Allen versus Josh Allen? I feel like you sort of need to because Jags Josh Allen, number 41, yep. is the first player in NFL history since sacks were recorded and also since interceptions and fumbles were recorded. Um, to register a sack and to register an interception and to register a fumble recovery all on someone with the exact same name as him. So Josh Allen wins the only time this has ever happened. He wins the Josh Allen Bowl by absolutely bullying one of the premier quarterbacks in the NFL. Well, it's not just that. Like Josh, Josh Allen, the quarterback, Josh Allen, <laughs> his play has been subpar for a, quite a while now. And one thing that's really missing is his connections with Stephon Diggs and Dawson Knox that they relied on a lot um, last year. And I think you're seeing a similar thing with the Chiefs, where their lack of running game is is kind of an, becoming an issue because defenses. Like the, before, the Chiefs got by because they had multiple other receiving threats. Mm-hmm. But where, you know, where that you've got like a clear wide receiver one, and you know that they're not really going to, like, they're not going to commit to the run. Yeah, you can. I think defenses are learning that you can play around that, and um, yeah, similar to the Chiefs, you've seen a drop in output for the Bills and. I don't know. Like, what? How? How could you possibly lose in a game where the Jags scored nine points? Like that is is was close to unthinkable at the start of the season. Yeah. Um, and at many points within the season. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just you know maybe some really good teams go down to Jacksonville when things don't work out and they lay a complete egg. That's 
that's possible. <laughs> I mean, the Packers did it. So yeah. it, it's been that kind of season, but I have seen more concrete signs that are making me feel a bit concerned about the Bills this year. Yeah, it's... Um, I mean, when you have an entire game where your offense can't move the ball against the Jags and you also struggle to contain the Jags from at least getting into field goal range, like... Oh, it's it's not a great look. Um, but, yeah, I don't want to have to say this, but congratulations to... Evan Meyer. I'm just going to congratulate. Well, we, didn't, we didn't congratulate anyone else. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, well, apart from Josh Allen, the defend, oh, yeah. defender. But yeah, it's um, it was just a really weird game. Um, uh, funnily enough, Emma. Uh, so I missed the first. I missed the first like 30 minutes of red zone because I was out at a meal, and uh, Emma was mentioning in the group chat. That when the Bills were three uh, three to nothing down um, to the Jags and hadn't really done anything at all, or I think it was even three three at this point, uh, she was like, "Oh, wouldn't it be really funny if it stayed this way?" And then it and then it got to the fourth quarter and it stayed this way, and it was like, "Ah, ah, maybe it would be quite funny." I mean, like at least with the Packers game, you could say like, "Oh, that got away from them on defense," and you know. Like the game was out of hand really quickly. The the game was in play to like the last drive. Yeah, it was just inexplicable. I don't know. Talking of teams that need to take a bit of a a long look in the mirror, that is not a good month. And it also means that like the the Bills, the Bengals, the Titans, the teams that you would traditionally think of as being like the better teams in the AFC, lost like the not traditionally, but you know, like the last couple of years, um, lost to the the Jags and the Jets, so... Wait, did you just say the Bengals as being one of the best teams, in, uh, one uh, of the better a couple, teams? A couple, in... weeks, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that was Oh, right, yeah. Because I was about to and say... The Jets, playing, yeah. the Jets are playing the Bills uh, next week, so we'll see what happens. Ooh, trap game. If they lose that, fucking, it's panic stations. <laughs> okay. Um, the last game in this Ayla window is the shock horror... Five and four now, Denver Broncos beat the potential Super Bowl contender Dallas Cowboys, who everyone's been hyping up this entire time as being so clinical and so safe and and oh they've been really consistent. They were they were they were beaten to a pulp. They were they were being shot out into the fourth quarter. It was thirty to nothing for most of the game. Beaten for the fourth quarter. Oh, it went deep as well. The Dallas Cowboys pulled it back to 30 to 16. Um, my favorite stat is that ever since Homer Simpson got gifted the Denver Broncos uh, on the Simpsons, the Broncos are 7 and 0 against the Cowboys, including this game. So, I mean, that tells you all you need to know. Homer Simpson is the GM of the year. Yeah, let's move on. Yeah. Um,. But no, like, just, just another, another really game. weird game for a team that you would have... I mean, the Broncos had, had, had been on a mad skid. They they didn't look comfortable beating really anyone. They Ever since their, like, 3-0 start, they'd then lost to the Ravens, lost to the Steelers, the Raiders, the Browns. They beat Washington last week in a real snore fest. And then out of nowhere, we just get whatever the fuck this was. Yeah, I just... 
it was another game that you find it hard to explain. Like, um, I I didn't really see too much of this game just because, I, I yeah, it was on red. I was just on red zone, so I only saw that. But I don't really know how this could happen. Like, when you think of the Broncos like struggling to close out that game against Washington, yeah, and you think about the Cowboys beating the Vikings with Cooper Rush. You just wonder, like, <laughs> we're just having a weird season. Uh, yeah, we and definitely are, what, yeah. I don't know exactly what it is, but you do get this sometimes. I'm like, the 2007 college football season is a great example, but, like, it really does feel like any given week, you, any team can beat any other team. And I just think, I just think, like, the the serious concern with the Cowboys for me is like the the defense where you know like when you've got a team that has a couple of decent receivers in Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick I mean they they picked on Trayvon Diggs at times and we know that that's something that can happen so the defense is a bit of a concern I think Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams are a good combination for Denver mm-hmm. so I, I think. Denver, if they can have, uh, I mean, I, I was gonna say I don't think they're making a deep run, but like I just said, I, I don't know what to think anymore. But like, yeah, on their on their day, they can be an above average offense and an above average defense, and that's all they need to do in this game because the Cowboys just were not on the same page at all. Yeah, I mean, I'd fully go along with it. I will say, I don't think that Dak looked healthy uh, for most of this game he was he was missing a fair few like what you'd consider to be routine throws for him and it it seemed like maybe his calf injury had like carried on giving him some stick but yeah there's no excusing the fact that they were 30 to nothing down against a team that don't really rack up points to be honest i mean the broncos offense has been it's been Javante Williams and it's been Melvin Gordon and that's it. And Teddy Bridgewater plays like... Yeah, I mean... In terms of actual points getting, though, is is like... They're not going to get very many out of the passing game just purely because, like, Teddy Bridgewater isn't the sort of guy that'll carve you up for, like, 350 yards and four touchdowns. He's... he's Teddy Two Gloves, he's safe. But, I mean, the the... Cowboys defense couldn't stop a fucking couldn't stop a fucking uh, fly in a I don't know where I'm going with this. Let's move on. You couldn't stop a fly in a wind tunnel. There you go. Alright. We now turn our attention to the later window on Sunday and to be honest there were there were a couple of sneaky sneaky good games here in this one. But uh, the first game that I want to talk about, Max, unfortunately. Yeah. We're going to have to talk about them Packers. I don't think it was that unfortunate. I mean, I think it was. I mean, I don't... I don't... I actually probably feel better about the Packers after that game because their defense played so well. Like, they were just getting to the ball and they were really just, like, dominating up front, which, you know, the Chiefs offense has had its struggles, but they really... I mean, they really put on a good defensive show, and like, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is going to come back at some point. So, what 
what does it really matter to me if they lose one game or maybe two games? Like, you, it's just one player. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, it's not an indictment of the team as a whole. I um, I do have a quick, just mild question because I don't think that we've uh, we've actually asked the question to you. I mean, we've asked a very similar question to me, to be honest, in terms of like aging quarterback wanting well in in Aaron Rodgers case wanting to leave the team getting a look at Jordan Love here what are your thoughts right now on where the Packers go after this year yeah well they're obviously going to keep Jordan Love and start him again like the suggestion that one game where like come on the, the special teams in that game was a total mess. And without that, without the, the special teams blunders, they would probably win the game, right? Because they had the two field goal, one miss, one block, and a turnover on a muff punt that led to the Chiefs scoring some points. Hmm. So if it's if it's a win, if they go out an ugly win, that's not much of a discussion. But like, Jordan Love came into the game and he looked, um, he looked nervous at first. And the Chiefs just sent the house like every third down and he absolutely struggled against the blitz but the Packers were calling these like slow developing plays on third down like they 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 weren't expecting the blitz at all mm. and um by the time they got around to fixing it in the fourth quarter they were doing things like having Jordan Love on a rollout you know identifying his primary read and he, he looked a lot more comfortable as the game went on and once they were adjusting the play calls for him, yeah, they looked they looked much better. Obviously, they had that drive that ended in a pick, and they had the touchdown drive. But on those two drives, he really looked a world apart. Um, I think he showed good wheels at times, like an ability to extend the play. He missed Devontae Adams on a few occasions, but like they've never taken first team reps together because Devontae was activated just before the game off the COVID list, so. Mm. Obviously, they're not going to have the chemistry that he has with Aaron Rodgers. Like, that goes without saying. And they had three um, players missing from the offensive line, and they were missing Tunyon, and they didn't lean on the run, which they could have done. So, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know. The team, the team did badly. I mean, I saw some things I didn't like from Jordan Love. You know, there was a lack of accuracy on a few throws. Um, maybe, like, just some rookie mistakes, like... Which I mean, he's not a rookie, but I don't know. It, it, it is a difficult environment to go into Arrowhead, but he, he seemed to be struggling to communicate with the offensive line a bit. But yeah, I don't know. It was, for example, it was, <laughs> it was like Galaxy's better than um, Justin Fields' first start from for the Bears. You know, mm-hmm. that start against the Browns. Obviously, the Chiefs' defense you think of has been a bit a bit worse, but they have been better the last few weeks. So. Overall, I think the team let him down. I think there were things that I liked, there were things I didn't like, but like it, it, and making any grand conclusions, and a lot of people are, but making any grand conclusions off the back of that one game just strikes me as a bit ridiculous. What about the Chiefs' offense? Because this is, it's almost gotten to the point where it's become the norm that the Chiefs' offensive struggles. Just a, a a pretty much like consistent thing. I know that you mentioned that the Packers defense played well here, but for most of the game, right up until the fourth quarter. In fact, to be honest, like 
even in the fourth quarter, just Jordan Love was outperforming Patrick Mahomes, like statistically. Um, I mean, Mahomes, I don't think I've seen him held to less than 175 yards in, well, pretty much ever since he started. No, it, I think it was their lowest offensive output in terms of yards since they started, and they had red zone struggles, like not being able to convert that muff punt into a turnover, into a touchdown even, so that's that's a serious issue yeah. um, for them. And, and although it's still at the point where if they did fix their offensive struggles, you wouldn't necessarily be shocked. Um, I'm not, I don't expect them to now. Like before I was like, ah, oh, they'll get better. And yeah. now it's more like they could get better. <laughs> like we've seen it before, but I mean, yeah, but Holmes is starting to fall into some bad habits. Maybe like, and his chemistry with Kelsey and Hill was not been what it was. So, mm-hmm. and again, they they don't run the ball, and their tackles, despite the investments that they made, their tackles and on a couple of spaces on the line as well, they're they're struggling, and that's a a big problem. Yeah, I mean, there was a time where it was almost redundant having Tommy Townsend or uh, Britton Colquitt on the, or was it Dustin that they had? One of the Colquitts. Like, it was redundant having a punter for the Chiefs. Tommy Tanzan ended up in this game with six punts, and it's almost like... That, Who was their best punt? The, the moment that you can, like, actively, quantifiably, uh, fiably measure an offensive struggle by how many times they have to punt compared and to what before. Was they, they took a few deep shots, and they he was just missing. Yeah. Like, that was a real worry. And we're talking about a Packers team that didn't have... Jair, obviously, and they, they also lost Eric, Eric Stokes, Stokes. Yeah, was hurt in warm-ups. I mean, Kenny Clark went out just before halftime. No Zedarius Smith. I mean, they got another great game from Devondre Campbell, and and Chris Barnes, inside linebacker, had a great game too. So mm-hmm. they had parts, but they were missing their star players. Like, if you told me like, oh, Jair Alexander, like, really limited Tyreek Hill, you'd be like, okay. You tell me Kevin King limited Jair, like, limited Tyreek. I'm like, what? And Kevin King dropped a pick in this game, but mm-hmm. other than that, like, normally you'd be like, there'd be like at least once a game where you're like, where exactly was Kevin King going there? Yeah. But he just didn't see in this game, or, or if he did have mistakes, they weren't punished. Yeah. Um, so it is almost at this point now where, because the Chiefs aren't good enough to have these offensive struggles and lean on their defense. They got away with it here because of like you mentioned, the special teams woes and like Jordan Love's weird not being able to practice with Devontae Adams all because of COVID and all of the scenarios running around and everything. Like you give the Packers a, a do over with the exact same squad, but you like Justin, uh, sorry, Jordan Love actually practice for an extra week or something. I don't even think you. I, I think. The main thing that I was annoyed at in this game was honestly the coaching because it was like 10 third downs in a row. The Chiefs lined up to send six or seven on a zero blitz. Yeah. And they sent six or seven on a zero blitz. And they didn't have anyone running like a quick, like a quick hitter or like a comeback or a slant. They were playing these weird routes and Jordan Love, you know, no time because there's six or seven guys they're all getting through on these, you know, backup linemen. I was just like, just do something about this. Like, yeah. Get it out of his hands quickly. Get him on the rollout because he's got the ability. And when they did, they started seeing 
benefits. So that did annoy me. <laughs> okay, let's um, let's move on to. Uh, I'm gonna say we move on to San Francisco, where the three and five San Francisco 49ers were beaten by Colt McCoy and to a much more extent James Connor who had a three touchdown over 160 yards of like scrimmage yards Eno Benjamin gets a touchdown Colt McCoy throws a touchdown to James Connor as well and the Arizona Cardinals march out to a 31 to 17 lead which now means that officially Cliff Kingsbury is a single win away from his first over 500 season. And he did it with Colt McCoy at quarterback. Fair play. But, um. Yeah. And, um, on the other side, you've got a, a coach who only has one, like, good season record wise. So, yeah, it was a bit of a, a conference. For some reason, like the last couple of years, when teams have been short-handed um, through injury or COVID or things like that, they've they've often been able to step up. And we saw it last week with all the backup quarterbacks winning. And yeah, yeah, they just the the Cardinals did it again in this one. But I think um, they've got so much offensive talent um, in the skill positions that it it made Colt McCoy's life a lot easier. Well, I mean, you say this, but they also they didn't have De- uh, DeAndre Hopkins. AJ Green, I don't believe, played, and if he did, he didn't have a target in the entire game. So they were relying on Christian Kirk, Rondale Moore, and James Conner out the backfield, and like Zach Ertz, which is good. That's a that's a very functional offense. But like to say that everyone hypes up Kyle Shanahan, like you. You'd almost, and it's not as though I don't. Do they have many defensive injuries? I've not really been keeping tabs on like the defensive output, but they don't have as many injuries as they have done in previous years. Like, but I mean, you think about guys like obviously DeForest Buckner's off the team now. Um, Solomon Thomas is off the team now, so they're not as stacked as they were previously. Mm. And especially on the back end, like their backfield is, oh, their defensive backfield is like a serious problem. Like Josh Norman got benched in this game for, I think he got flagged for taunting. He was just like having friendly, well, well, Cliff described it as friendly banter um, between him and Josh Norman. He got benched for that. And they got, you know, Drake Kirkpatrick out there who's however old, you know, their starting safety is a guy called Talanoa Hafanga. Yeah. Um, linebackers, obviously, they've got Fred Warner and they've got Marcel Harris. And Aziz El Shahir. So, Tony Jefferson is on this team? What the hell? <laughs> like, so, um, Javon Kinlaw and D Ford are both on uh, injured reserve. So, their front is. Eric Armstead, Kentavia Street, DJ Jones, Nick Bosa, Marcel Harris, Fred Warner, and Al Shayer. So, yeah, definitely not what it was in the year when they went to the Super Bowl. But even still, I mean, they they got a pretty decent day on the stat sheet out of Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle, although both of them had, like, 
costly a drop and a fumble out of both of them. Debo Samuel had a pretty decent like day stats wise. Eli Mitchell, pretty solid day. Jimmy Garoppolo's like output doesn't look all that bad, but then they still can't find a way to win many of these games. And I think that the Cardinals record against the Niners over recent times is they just consistently beat up on them. And it even when they weren't very good and they had like um Josh Rosen in there, I still remember them like taking a game deep into it well, into late against the Niners, and it's like they are just a I'm 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 gonna say this here. I don't think that the Niners are a very good team. I think that out, out of all of the things that you predicted on our like preseason power rankings, I think that the Niners' ranking of them was Oh, it was it was probably was, the most even, accurate that you'd got. They still had them overvalued, I think. Yeah, like I don't know, like uh, defensive wise, that was their strength in the Super Bowl. Yeah, they they could just overpower teams. And now you look at this roster, top to bottom, and it, you know, Brandon Ayuk's not they're not getting him involved. Like Mohamed Sanu's there. <laughs> George George Kill hasn't been what you want him to be mm-hmm. the running back injuries obviously have been a problem but then the other receivers they're dealing with like Trent Sherfield, Juwan Jennings and Travis Benjamin <sighs> it is I think they'll probably be quite tempted to consider a bit of a hard reboot um, maybe maybe not this year but if they have a similar record this time next year then then we'll see I mean, looking at the rest of their schedule, they do have they do have some chance to maybe make back up a couple more wins here. I mean, they've got the Rams, who is a is a loss, but then they've got the Jags, they've got the Vikings, they'll get the Seahawks, but with hey. Russell Wilson back, you can't say the Rams is an automatic loss. We'll see. I mean, I mean, it's not, but like based off of like how the teams have been playing over the whole season, like. You wouldn't expect the Niners to win this one. Then they get the Falcons as well. They've got the Texans at home as well. Like there are plenty of opportunities for them to win a fair few more games here. But some of the losses that they've taken are are pretty damaging, really. Um, so I mean, we'll we'll sort of have to wait and see. But oh, they're not oh, they're not that good right now. That's for sure. Not at all. Okay. We now turn our attention to Sunday Night Football, where the Tennessee Titans improved to 7-2 and two without King Henry in the backfield. They win. Oh, you don't want to do Chargers Eagles? Oh, crumbs. I forgot about Chargers Eagles. My bad, my bad, my bad. Before we come on to that game... We have the five and three Los Angeles Chargers winning twenty seven to twenty four against the three and six Philadelphia Eagles, and um, yeah, I enjoy watching Justin Herbert play about as conservative and safe or as extravagant football. I just love watching Justin Herbert, to be honest. Um, three hundred and fifty six yards and a couple touchdowns, pretty much like everything that you really wanted out of him. Keenan Allen had a. a over 100 yards receiving 
on 12 catches. He really stepped up as their wide receiver one um, in this one. And Mike Williams got a couple nice deep plays as well. So Chargers still hanging around in there. And they take first place in the AFC West as well, beating out against the Raiders. Uh, although they are both still sat at five and three. Um, they have to be the strongest team in that like five and three bracket, right? No anymore. <laughs> I really don't. And um for the Eagles part I thought I thought Jalen Hurts, um, from what I saw certainly played alright, you know, maybe a bit more consistently than he has done in the past. Mm-hmm. So that's a good sign for them. And you know, I think we all picked the Chargers to win this one, but they've got they've got little something. The Jordan Howard thing is getting a bit weird. Like I I did not expect that, but Devonta mm. Smith is coming along quite nicely for them as well, so they're not gonna be a great team. But maybe they can see enough before the season ends to uh roll on with Jalen Hurts for a second starting season and then make a decision there because I don't know he, he, he's certainly done he's certainly done a fair bit mm-hmm. like like I said he has been hugely inconsistent but at times he has caught fire so yeah we'll see yeah I mean this was probably the the best game that I think he's played in terms of because most of the time when you look at like the box score or whatever and you see Jalen Hurts put up 350 yards and four touchdowns they're usually late on in the game when they're already getting like their asses kicked by the Buccaneers or whatever. Um, this one, they hung around pretty nicely against the Chargers, I will say. Um, like you mentioned, Jordan Howard ended up with 71 yards and a touchdown. It's a... It's, it's a... The, the Eagles are in a tricky position. Their schedule is incredibly winnable uh, for a lot of the games, but with just three wins under their belt, they might still be a little bit too far out. In the uh, in the NFC, um, you almost oh, sort yeah, of, you almost w- sort of can write off some teams, and I know that this one was probably one of the hardest games that they have left, apart from like the Cowboys on on the final day of the uh, regular season. But they still needed to. I think they still needed to get a result out of this to be still hanging around. So. Um, yeah, to be honest, I think Nick Sirianni's done a better job than um, I'd had credit for. Like I'd given him credit for before the season. I think that I was expecting him to be the first man out the door. Um, I still think that out of everyone that should be fired from the Eagles before any coaching changes happen, Harry the uh, uh, Howie Roseman needs to go. I don't know how he's still in a job, and I don't know how he's maintained it for so long, um, but. Weirdly enough, I think like Nick Sirianni deserves maybe a second season here. To be honest, yeah, I think they've they've shown some signs. It hasn't been a disaster by any means. Exactly. All right, now let's turn attentions to Sunday night, where the Titans, without King Henry, won twenty-eight to sixteen on the road at SoFi Stadium against the Rams, who. I mean, how much are we? How much credit are we actually going to give the Titans 
here and how much of the Rams beating themselves. I will say one thing before we talk about how poorly the Rams played. Jeffrey Simmons surmounted a claim for being an all-pro here. I mean, him and Harold Landry have both played uh, pretty damn well throughout most of the season, but Jeffrey Simmons took over in this game like a man-possessed. Yeah, I mean, they really dominated up front, and I think you're right where the Titans didn't really do that much on offense, but the defense certainly stepped up, and that Matt Stafford interception that led to the touchdown, that was... That was Wentzy, and that was a terrible... He should have just taken the safety, frankly. It was a terrible idea. Mm. And um, then the next time he throws the ball, it's a pick six. So, yeah, they certainly came ready to play. Um, maybe with something, a little something to prove. And they just played... It was almost like they just wanted it more. They were more physical when the Rams couldn't keep up. And, like... They just they didn't have as much out of um, Daryl Henderson, um, and that's a bit of a problem because I still don't think you can solely put an offense on the back of Matt Stafford. You do still have to have a pretty decent run game, and although he's obviously got a wealth of options in Cup, Woods, Jefferson, Higby. In order to have a consistent offense and not have games like this, you do need to to be able to run at will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And uh, to be honest, I wonder if the struggles that Henderson and Michelle both faced in this game um, alongside Stafford regarding the actual passing attack was just purely from how dominant like Amani Hooker who had a good game. Jeffrey Simmons had an absolutely ridiculous game. Harold Landry, Danico Autry, those guys all balled out. Um, Kevin Byard obviously had the pick six as well. Made a real nice play as well over on that, uh, well, over on the sideline. So, yeah, they... Um, I, wonder whether, I wonder whether they just got spooked by that sequence. I think like, maybe they did because they, they never recovered from that point on. It almost seemed like. No. No, I don't think they did. So, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. The, I wonder... It, I, I'm not quite ready to fully start considering who my favourite friend BP is yet, but... That that one that one hurt Matt Stafford's chances, I think it's fair to say. Mm. Yeah, um... Just one quick thing. Do you do you think that you've learned anything about either of these two teams from this game, or is it just no. a case of like the Titans showed up on the day, but the Rams could very easily go in and beat the ever living piss out of who's the next game? Oh, the nine. Uh, yeah, the Niners. Like they could easily go in and kick the shit out of the Niners next Monday night. Yeah, given the fact that at, the, at this point in the season my opinion on every team is like they could lose any given game yeah it's kind of hard to, to draw that sort of conclusion you know fair enough um titans hold on to the one seed after that win uh so they are firmly in the playoff hunt uh, and to be honest with 
with the amount of five win teams, they're probably going to need to keep churning out these sorts of wins just on the off chance that maybe the Colts find their way back in. But I, I still think that they could easily, uh, easily be safe. And then finally, we turn to Monday Night Football, where the again five win Pittsburgh Steelers, part of that AFC five win club, snuck past the Chicago Bears twenty nine to twenty seven. They actually they were ahead by uh, twenty to six um, in the third quarter, but. That fourth quarter comeback from Justin Fields and a hell of a lot of ref ball ended up making this one a way closer game than it could have been. Thoughts? Yeah, it wasn't a brilliant game, was it? It was not a brilliant game. Not particularly. Um, I I think it was deceptively close on the score sheet, or it was deceptively maybe high scoring, is what I thought. Like, yeah. They didn't. Neither, neither team put on that much of a show where you thought, wow, this team's, you know, they're really going on to something. Like, Ben had his standard one throw down the field. Um, he had a couple, actually. In, fa- in fairness, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him a little bit of credit here. They didn't show up on the box score because a couple of them got actually... Defensive PI penalties given our way, but he he did at least throw a, a few times down the field. Um, okay, but you're not going to say like, oh, he's got his deep ball back. Oh right? fucking god, no, absolutely no <laughs> chance. So, um, yeah, that's that, that hasn't really talking of games that haven't really changed my opinion of anyone. Um, my only thought on this is like. I don't really want to talk about... I mean, there's been plenty of discussion about the refereeing decisions, and there were just a, a few that were just like, oh, it's just a bad job on their part. And obviously the taunting rule that... I really don't want them to keep that taunting rule around because I like I quite like it. If, I think that if you make a big play, you should be able to go up to your opponent and be like, eh, yeah, that was me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, like, you earn that right if you, if you out-muscle someone in that way, so... That is as a rule, and it's super subjective as well. I just think it it sucks. Yeah, I agree. Like the one thing that I've tried to always maintain, and it's 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 kind of nice that the penalty worked out in my favor, just so that I could see exactly how I felt about it, even when it essentially won us a game. Um and I still have the exact same opinion that it is quite possibly my least favourite rule in probably any sport. Um, I mean, by the letter of the law, Cassius Marsh did taunt, and it was incredibly stupid, but But the the letter of the the law is fucking obnoxious. They should be throwing taunting flags on every other play based on well, yeah, exactly, but that's my point, is that the rule is absolutely ridiculous. But I think that a lot of people that are complaining on the Bears' side have got to actually just mildly look back and say, if if you are already seeing some ridiculous calls from bad refereeing in the game, 
the one thing that you shouldn't do is give them an excuse to ruin the game. Like, you got to play smarter. There were so many needless, stupid penalties from the Bears. Like, the low chop block, which, granted, I agree, also was a bullshit call. But you're not allowed to chop block in that fashion, whether you make contact or not. And the referees are going to throw the flag sometimes for it. And if you're going to do the stupid play, then you're going to have to take your lumps when it, the officials make a mistake and call it. And those plays killed the Bears. There were so many offsides and neutral zone infractions. I think I counted five times that Robert Quinn was lining up in the neutral zone. There were so many false starts that didn't even get called from either side. It's like, you got to stop doing the stupid play, have a little bit more consistency, and you almost get the impression like... The the thing that hurt the Bears more than anything about Khalil Mack and Eddie Jackson being out wasn't that they are um, fantastic players and that they would have impacted the game because I no doubt think that they would have done. Like when Ben Roethlisberger gets like a whole five seconds to move around in the pocket on that second, uh, well, the second touchdown, the one of Fryermuth, the first one, where he pumps... He moves around and he's just still given that amount of time. I do think that Khalil Mack would have stopped that exact scenario by being able to get through that block better. But they have the composure as veterans, or at least more composure because they're used to making the big play, that they don't make the stupid mistakes from when they make the play doing the wrong thing and getting their team's hard work penalised off of it again. And that's the difference here is that Mike Tomlin um, is one of the better coaches when it comes to being disciplined. I know that the Steelers have had a lot of penalties against them this year, but a lot of that is on a very, very new rookie O-line that is still gelling. They still haven't learned the rules there's a lot of holding calls. But when you actually watch the games, you'll not find the Steelers get caught by taunting. And it's not that the referees are giving those plays away. And it's not that they're fl- like throwing the flag. It is that there is a discipline there. And that's the biggest indictment on this whole like refereeing situation. Because, again, the refs got most of the calls wrong. Uh, they got a few wrong for both sides but they especially hindered the Bears in this one. And I think with a different refereeing crew, the Bears probably would have won. But that's the biggest indictment, is that even when the Bears knew that they were going to get penalised for doing stupid crap, they carried on doing the stupid crap, and it ended up getting them in the shit. And the Steelers were just able to just play a more calm, less stupid game, almost. So that's that's my main takeaway on it. Apart from that, uh, I think that Pat Fryermuth is possibly my favourite rookie draftee that we've had in a long time. Like I love Najee Harris. Um, I, yeah, I usually love Steve. what. Yeah, 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 yeah. On a yeah. Steelers point, because um, I've not actually had the opportunity to really mention the good things that we did in this one, um, but. Like, the two touchdown catches, one of them is, like, 
a stereotypical Ben Roethlisberger play of old where he extends the play and Freymuth gets himself just that little extra yard of space and he ends up being wide open in the end zone. The second play is an absolutely ridiculous play in terms of for the second week in a row, he pulls off a fantastic catch. I think it was Vilgore that he uh, he beat. Uh, while Vilgore is absolutely draped all over him, holding him, um, and he still comes down with the catch. And also on that exact drive as well, he had some of the most composed and consistent blocking that I've seen. So uh, I'm all on board the Pat Fryermuth hype train. Who's Vilgor? Uh, Daniel Vilgor, I believe it is his name. Uh, Kindle Vildor, sorry, my bad. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, because everyone that's going to talk about this game is going to talk about, oh, the, the Bears should have won and what have you, and yes. <laughs> yes. But, don't take the game away from the Steelers because of it because to be honest like when they did things right they did things real right Minka Fitzpatrick had a great day TJ Watt had yet another absolutely unbelievable day registering three sacks seven tackles and three tackles for loss like Cameron Hayward had uh, just his second career interception Um, both of them have occurred on Monday Night Football and both of them have been on players where he's batted one down at the line of scrimmage. This one, I think, was the pick of the two by simply... I didn't even see it happen. I was literally... I was watching it. He bats his, he bats the ball down. And then all of a sudden, he's just running and getting tackled. And it's like, oh, wait, wait. He came down with that? Really? So I still maintain that Cam Hayward is having a absolutely ridiculous season. And I think that based off of his performances alone this year, I'm going to argue that he's the best D-tackle in the league this year. You're still wrong. I'm not wrong. You are. You definitely are. Like, we'll see. We'll put... We'll put... um, Donald with... uh, You know, not as good as TJ Watt, Edge Rusher and Von Miller. And one of them's going to go off in the second half of the season. We'll see. Either way, oh, we'll see. Either way, <laughs> I'm still I'm still sticking to my guns, and I'm still also sticking to my guns that TJ Watt should be the defensive player of the year. And that is everything that I have to say about this game. Max, have you got anything to add? Um, no, <laughs> I think that was pretty comprehensive. Yeah, I uh, I think that the Bears can take a lot of good things out of Justin Fields' play, especially in that fourth quarter. Um the the comeback was pretty damn good. He he made some nice throws. He the one thing that I think he did probably best and the most encouraging bit is rookie quarterbacks don't know how to pick on players almost unless they are like a great rookie quarterback. Like I, I remember seeing like Joe Burrow picking on guys in his rookie year Justin Herbert picked on a few guys in his rookie year Um, Justin Fields picked on Arthur Mollett on the uh, what would have been the game winning drive but then Ben Roethlisberger registered uh, yet another career game winning drive immediately after 
And it's like, that's an encouraging sign when your guy's able to make that read and see exactly who is on who and who he should be going after. Because Arthur Mollette did not have a good game and Fields realised it quickly and started really riding the ball past him. So, yeah, there's a lot to be encouraged by, but I still think that uh, Matt Nagy is... uh, I mean, if he's not destined for the for the hot seat already, then something's gone horribly wrong for Ryan Pace, who also yeah. probably could be on the hot seat. Yeah, well, um, at uh, what are the Steelers now five and three, five and three. What are you saying, Super Bowl favorites? <laughs> I'm not Ed. To be honest, oh, like, I don't even think that we'll make the playoffs because there's still a hell of a lot of games left to play against big teams. But, you know, it's just nice that we're on shit. Uh, and when we got off to that 1-3 and three start, I was thinking, oh boy, this is going to be a long season. And then we've gone on a four-game win streak. So, like, I'll take it. I will Thanks. take that. Um just to quickly wrap up, who is in the playoff picture? So in the AFC, it is in order of 1-7. to seven. The Tennessee Titans, the Baltimore Ravens, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Buffalo Bills, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the New England Patriots sneak into the playoffs for the first time this season. And in the NFC, the Arizona Cardinals, the Green Bay Packers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Dallas Cowboys, the LA Rams the New Orleans Saints, and the Atlanta Falcons, who also find their way into the playoffs. Um, And I believe we are really on the cusp here of the Detroit Lions being the first team eliminated. I think they are are basically there anyway. But I think that a couple more losses and that's them done. I don't know the maths around it. If the Detroit Lions make the playoffs, I will officially... Eat Dan Campbell's knee. You heard it here first, folks. Anyway, it's been an absolute pleasure. Max, have you got any closing remarks before we uh, bid everyone a a cheeky post-Hummus yeah, Halloween? Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell, enjoy your knees while they last because, well, you're, you're keeping them. So just, just make sure that you do make the most. In fact, not just Dan Campbell, but everyone out there listening. Make sure you appreciate your knees while you've got them, because you never know. All right, that's a yep. That'll that'll do it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again possibly on Friday. You never know. You never know. <laughs>